Imperial, episode six. The following starts with hasty writing, but it comes as the text continues. This is the last document by Brother Benedetto. Tardo autunno, anno di nostro Signore 1711. Io e lì partiamo prima dell'alba. Sono in ansia per la nostra uscita. Dovrò lasciare tutti i documenti e le misurazioni a Padre Martin. Così io e lì potremo muovere... Late autumn, year of our Lord, 1711. Lee and I leave before dawn. I am in a stare over our outing. I shall leave all the documents and map measurements here with Father Martin so that Lee and I can move quickly and reach Tsitsihar with greater ease. When we return... We shall do so with additional supplies and porters, and then there will be no worries for the transportation of the map. My Mandarin is improved, and I find Lee good company, so I'm not worried for the return trip. Lee is a capable hunter, and I'm sure I can also navigate if the need arises. The Lord is on our side, and once we find the river, we will have few foreseeable obstacles. This was a fine night to finish my time here in the settlement. The dinner we shared in the courtyard was delightful and filling. Carl has made Father Martim and Jingwei feel more at ease here, so I am less apprehensive to leave them. It is Lee's custom to awaken before dawn, so when he awakens me, we will depart. The following, though missing the date, takes place the day following Brother Benedetto and Lee's departure. Que Deus olhe por eles e lhes conceda passagem segura no seu regresso a Tsitsihar. Também ao acordar, Jingwei, António e eu observámos uma mudança muito peculiar. A grande estátua de pedra que estava perto da... May God watch over them and grant them safe passage on their return to Tsitsihar. Also, upon waiting, Jingwei, Anthony and I noticed a most peculiar change. The large stone statue that stood near the door to our dwelling has been removed. We can see no mark of it having been dragged or lifted away in the night. It was an odd carving, and we had originally required it to find our dwelling among the many others. Thankfully, we have now grown more accustomed to this place, and can find our dwelling without its aid. Kyle dropped off food and fuel with Anthony this morning to replenish our supply. The people of the town are acting hesitant towards us today. Some seem very congenial from afar, smiling as they have, yet others are somber and avoid our dwelling. Perhaps we offended them during the meal, or by sending away to souls to which they have extended hospitality. It is sometimes difficult to understand proper etiquette in new places. From the window beside my warm bed, I am able to overlook the activities of the people in the nearby yard. Old men and women have gathered to create stoneware, some kind of container. The small pieces of the scarlet stone are picked up by children who add them to a rolling bucket, which erodes and even stab into the size of large beads. They are not the most beautiful in color, but the polished beads and containers are perfectly smooth, a signal of their quality. 
As for the strong men and women, I saw them leave in haste early this morning, as part of a hunting party before the rains. Their food has been fair enough, and I will pray for a successful restocking of the village larder. Jingwei, currently more mobile than myself, has gone recalled to seek an audience with the headman of the village. I await his report later today, but for now I shall sleep further and tend to my broken leg. The following is Jingwei's official report regarding his visit with the leader of the town. It was not dated. Bi doigonda aratokso idada isarad babaifi anungi isanafi isanda halmoa albatu. I had previously requested to meet with the headman of this town. Today I went for the meeting. The meeting was translated roughly by Hal, the tradeswoman who speaks enough of a local language I recognize to help the discussion along. Hal brought me to the mountainside, where several doorways led to rooms built into the rock. We went into the largest arc cut in the mountain and walked down a carved hall. Hal informed me that it is a special place, and that it is rare to have visitors there. We reached a suitably sized, decoratively carved room with a natural vent. A fire warmed the room, and an old woman, garbed in beads and purple robes, was seated near the fire. This old woman, Hal explained, was their elder and leader. She called her Wei Ga, and Hal made our introductions. The exchange was trying, as my questions and her answers were difficult to convey. I asked who they were. She responded curtly by saying they were a village of traders and hunters. I asked if they knew of the Qing Dynasty and of our emperor. She said they knew of a great leader who united many. I asked if they knew that they were part of the empire. She smiled and said that it is pleasant to have a place in the world. Hao then told me that Wei Ga was growing tired. So I asked only one more question before being escorted from the tunnels within the mountain. I asked if we could bring some of her villagers to Chichihar to introduce her people to the magistrate. She coughed and smiled, and said that when we leave, anyone who wants to go with us may. Elderly as she was, she closed her eyes, and Hal escorted me back to our dwelling. When we returned to Chichihar. I will take Hal and several men with us. In doing so, we can clear up many of the miscommunications we have suffered here. This following short entry is partially burnt, and there are long lines in ink drawn along the sides. I cannot tell if these were intentional. Stashkuru. Devo ter dormido o dia todo. Mas acordei com uma visão muito inquietante e uma tensão na minha alma. Jingwei dorme profundamente, tendo voltado em algum momento. Mas não são os sons do seu descanso. It is dark. I must have slept through the day. But I've awoken to a most unsettling sight and a tensing of my soul. Jingwei sleeps soundly, every return of some time. But it is neither the sounds of his rest nor Anthony's that stirs me. A heavy, oppressive fog has settled in, and it creeps through the window to settle in my lungs. It is warm. And tastes of earth. When I peer out the window to see the extent of the vapor, I can see very little. 
It is difficult now to make out buildings just across the yard that I've seen many previous nights. Were it only the fog that stirred me, I would have returned to sleep. No. While looking out the window, I spied another matter, which is most unsettling. When I looked out toward the direction of the town wall, I caught sight of a tall black shadow of a man, or perhaps a woman, dashing through the fog. I could make out no distinctive features, only the elongated black haze of a human figure, far too tall. I have thought upon it for some time now, and I've decided it must have been a local car, or perhaps a hunter returning late in the evening. To think otherwise regarding the lone figure would be more upsetting to the sensibilities. In my half-dreaming state, and in this fog, perhaps I'm mistaken. What thing it may or may not have been, it was headed away from our small dwelling. Were it a demon of my mind, it has fled. And if it is a demon of this world, it will flee with the rising sun. 